This is John. This is Dead. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. This week we'll be reviewing Dan's non-list pick, The Blair Witch Project, which was released in 1999. So Dan, start us off with some box office stats. This is the first time I've ever seen Dan so enthusiastic. Go, Dan, go! Was that really enthusiastic? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> just to uh, let you know about this uh, movie called The Blair Witch Project, it only cost $60,000 to make. It opened with $1.5 million and then overall made a worldwide profit of $248 million. So considering how much it's cost to make, quite the profit margin there. It won 19 awards and had 25 nominations. On IMDb, it has a 6.5. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 86% for the critic score and then 56 for the audience score, which actually makes sense to me when we get into that. Oh, yeah. Nadine? Alrighty, so this film was in the Guinness Book of World Records for top budget box office ratio for a mainstream feature film. The film cost about $60,000 to make, just as Dan said, it made back $240 million, a ratio of $1 spent for every $10,931 made, which is pretty fucking impressive. At around 46 minutes in the movie, there is a scene where the main actors are sleeping in a tent at night. They do that several times, though, in this movie. The tent suddenly shakes violently and they all get scared this was unscripted and the director shook the tent the actors were actually were scared so that was not happening right there <laughs> oh, yeah i think i know which one it was because there was like one that was genuine like oh shit what's going on yep <laughs> it's hilarious so heather donahue's mother which by the way all the actors in this movie use their real name uh but heather donahue's mother received sympathy cards from people who believed that her daughter was actually dead or missing after this movie released um <clears throat> numerous fans were so convinced uh, of the Blair Witch's existence that they flocked to Maryland in hopes of discovering the legend. They apparently did not read the closing at credits of the film. The filmmakers placed flyers around Kane's film festival that were missing posters stating that the cast was missing. Basically just to promote the movie. All the flyers were taken down by the next day though. It turned out that a television executive had been kidnapped just prior to the festival. And the flyers were taken down out of respect. The executive was found, though, and he was safe. Uh, he that was is scared. really bad timing. I know. Horrible timing. Horrible timing. Clever marketing. Terrible plan. <laughs> it was actually fantastic marketing. The way they did it was the way... I'll go over it, because I'm pretty sure I have that fact in there somewhere. At around 53 minutes, the reactions from Heather, Mike, and Josh, when they discovered they had walked south all day, ended up in the same spot or real. They were genuinely upset that they had walked all day for nothing. Heather Donahue faced considerable backlash as a result of her role, including threatening encounters and difficulty finding other employment. She retired from acting in 2008. Apparently, people would actually wish she was dead when meeting her and demand their money back for the movie. Holy um, shit. Yeah. That's legit. So she ended up just quitting altogether. I mean, I don't blame her because... At, at some point, one, that's got to be horrible for your mental health. And two, you got to be terrified if someone's actually going to act out on that wish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so Heather Donahue also told Fangoria Magazine that the final scene was so terrifying for her, she actually hyperventilated and, hyperventilated and cried long after the shoot was over. Yeah, that last scene literally made me uncomfortable. Yep. Made everyone comfortable. So IMDb listed the actors as deceased in the early 2000s. <laughs> yep. 
this was one of the first re theatrical features to make use of a large-scale viral marketing campaign, which claimed that the three main characters had really gone on a trip to shoot a documentary and were never seen again, save for the footage they shot being found a year after the disappearances. A website debuted on the internet one year prior to the release in order to set up the premise of the documentary, complete with detailed reports of the search, the recovery of the trio's footage within an old cabin, reactions from their families, and expert opinions. The three actors were instructed to refrain from making public appearances, as well as taking other roles and jobs. The myth wasn't debunked until after the movie's premiere, but positive word of mouth had already popularized the movie to the extent that its success completely overshadowed that of the almost simultaneously released big-budget horror movie, The Haunting, which I showed to Dan as well, and I'm going to make you watch it because it's a cult movie too. Excuse okay. me? Yeah, I'm going to make I'm you watch ready. it. I'm not ready. No! It's so ridiculous, dude. It's hard to be terrified when you're watching the movie. It's got Catherine Zeta-Jones. It's got, what's the guy? He's got that, like, crooked nose, but he's, like, good-looking with blonde hair. Jack Black? No. Owen Wilson? Blonde hair, blue eyes. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, yeah. It's got, Owen Wilson. Yeah. Owen Wilson. Yeah. It's got yeah. Liam Nielsen in it and, um, and someone else who's Ooh. really, really famous. A bunch of big names in there. And yeah, but the movie is a cult classic. It's not amazing. The story is kind of cool, but, like, it's still, like, the way they did it didn't kind of plan out. But it's so crazy and out there and outlandish. They could totally make a theme park just off the fucking movie. Anyway. We'll watch it later. We'll watch it some other time. You'll see what I mean. You may not actually like it, John, but I feel like you could probably appreciate some parts of it. Um, so at 85%, this is the highest score on Rotten Tomatoes of any film that was nominated for the Razzie Award for Worst Picture. Each of the three leads are required to sign a release granting the product production permission to mess with your head. The most powerful example of this would probably be the late night 10 attack. Neither the three actors knew what was coming, and their terror, confusion, and flight or flight response was genuine, as I said earlier. Um, so they actually literally signed a contract that it was okay for people to mess with their heads. So sometimes the reactions, like when they were having meltdowns, things like that, were actually real. It wasn't even acting. That's terrifying. Yep. So Josh and Heather actually bickered more during filming, filming than Heather and Mike. So much so, it was difficult during editing to make them seem like they were actually friends, uh, which is what the movie is based off of. Heather and Josh are friends. Josh and Mike are friends. Heather had never met Mike previous to them going on this trip. And when they were filming, because they were constantly filming, because that's kind of what the whole point of it was, they had a hard time editing the movie because Josh and Heather had actually gotten into so many fights. There was a point where the director and the crew were never actually interacting with their actors. They let their actors like camp and hike and all that stuff on their own that they actually had to get involved so it wouldn't escalate into an actual physical altercation between the two. Wow. That, it kind of makes me if that kind of like drove the plot of the movie a little bit. So I didn't actually, before we go into the synopsis, I didn't actually know the background of what this movie did. So now that I kind of know that, I'm getting a lot of different vibes from the movie than I originally was. Definitely, de I, I guess it's because I didn't actually see the behind the scenes stuff, but I'll save that for the discussion. Let's go into the synopsis. I'm going to take a swig of my drink. Go for it. All right. So the movie begins with white words on a black screen stating the footage we are about to see is found footage. Then the scene changes to show Heather showing all of her books for the trip she's about to take. 
The scene shifts again to show Heather greeting Josh as he pulls her up to her place and they go through what he's bringing for the trip. The two then go to pick up Mike, who Heather has not met before. After stopping at a grocery store and a diner, the three then head to a cemetery near that held the headstones of seven children who were reportedly murdered by the Blair Witch in the 40s. After filming their first scene for their documentary on the witch, the three go to the small town of Blair to interview its inhabitants about the Blair Witch and its legend. All the people in the town agreed that they heard of the Blair Witch, and one man told the story of missing children whose graves the trio had just been at. The man said the children were murdered by a man who would take the kids two at a time and make one child stare in the corner while the other one was butchered. After interviewing the townspeople, the trio celebrated with drinks in a motel for their first day and prepared for the long hike they have tomorrow. The next morning, the three drive up to the trailhead um, when they come across two fishermen. Both fishermen agreed that they've heard of the Blair Witch as well and went into deeper detail about the legend. The men then told him there was a little girl a long time ago that went missing in the woods for the week, and when she reappeared, she talked about a woman in white. After talking with the fishermen, the gang heads off onto the trail. They get lost for a bit before they are back on track to their destination, Coffin Rock. Once there, they film another scene for the documentary, you know, before making camp for the night. The next morning, as the trio were packing up their tents to hike to the next destination, Joss told them that he could hear cackling during the night. The three then head back on their hike to their second location, a cemetery in the middle of the woods. During their hike, Mike becomes agitated as he thinks that they are lost and insists that Heather is not guiding them in the right direction. Josh looks at the map as Mike has a mini breakdown and confirms they're going the right way. Not long after their stop, they find a graveyard. They find the graveyard in the woods. Each grave was marked by piles of rocks. They then set up camp and hiked back to the graveyard after nightfall for a better shot of the graves. Josh, however, knocks over the rocks using his grave marker while he was filming. That night, while they were sleeping in the tent, the three are woken by sounds of someone walking around the woods all around them. Heather went out to see who was there while Matt and Josh stayed in the tent, but she couldn't find anyone nearby. I'm sorry, the, the, just them staying in the tent and having her go out, that's just, that, that made me cackle once I read it. The next morning, the three of them are, ta are talking about what had happened the night before, and both Matt and Josh are convinced that it was the locals just fucking with them. The trio then heads off to hike back to the car, and not long into the hike, both Josh and Matt are convinced Heather has them lost again because they do not recognize any of the woods around them. Their distrust in Heather's navigation escalates as the day goes on, and, they're still, and they still haven't found where the car is parked. Eventually, the three have to set up camp again as they are still lost in the woods, though Heather insists that she knows where they are. That night, while they're sleeping, they are woken again by the sound of people walking in the woods around them. Same as the night before, Heather again, this time with Josh and Mike, leave the tent to see what's out there and again find nothing. The next morning, they find three piles of rocks outside their tent like the one in the graveyard. Heather is at first freaked out and then is disappointed that they're leaving just when things are starting to happen. Mike and Josh, however, are not down for what's going on or getting increasingly annoyed with Heather's unwillingness to set down the camera and help pack up the tents and leave. The scene then shifts to show Heather asking Josh if he took the map when she can't find it. Understandably, Josh flips out when Heather can't find it, and after arguing for a bit, the three agree to follow the creek and hope they'll find something on the way. The three talk themselves down as they hike and eventually cross the stream. After they cross the stream, Mike admits he kicked the map into the creek and both Heather and Josh lose their shit. 
Heather eventually forces Mike to give her the compass, declaring he betrayed them and is the reason why they were lost in the first place. As the tree, as the three, continue to walk, continue to walk, they find voodoo shit, as Mike called it, all over an area of the woods. The three at first film what they see, fascinated, by, fascinated of course, though they started to look more scared the further along they got, and eventually decided to leave. The night as that night, as they set up camp, they decide not to light a fire in hopes that it will not alert what has ever been following them the past two nights. However, this clearly doesn't work, and that night the three are woken up to voices outside their tent and decide to leave the campsite. Just there, getting out of the tent, the tent begins to shake, violently shake, and the three run off terrified. When they are running from the campsite, Heather sees something off in the distance, and the three decide to shut off the cameras entirely, the lights, so no one knows where they are. Once the sun rose, the three went back to the campsite to find the tent messed up and Josh's things covered in slime and strewn across the site. As the day goes on, the three hikes south to find civilization. The three start to have a mental breakdown and eventually find that they had walked in a big circle when they see the log they used the day before to cross the stream. Once again, believing it's Heather's fault that they locked in a large circle because she had the compass, Josh digs into Heather while filming her and Mike steps in to stop them as Heather breaks down. After calming down the three, set up camp in the same area they did the night before, and talk to comfort themselves for going to sleep. The next morning, when Heather and Mike wake up, they find that Josh is missing and go looking for him. Though the two search for hours, they do not find him and end up setting up camp for the night again. That night, as the two are sleeping, they are woken up by agonizing screams from Josh. The two shout for him, but get no response. They then decide to follow the sound of his screams, but unfortunately couldn't find him. The next morning, when Mike and Heather wake up, they find a bundle of sticks tied together with Josh's flannel in front of the tent. Heather takes the bundle away from the tent and unties the bundle, finding, what are most likely Josh's, teeth, hair, and tongue wrapped up inside. After screaming and crying, Heather decides not to tell Mike what she found, and after a small breakdown, the two decide to continue heading east like they did the day before. That night, they set up camp, Heather records just herself and says she is the one to blame for everything that happened as it was her idea to go on a trip. That night, the two are woken by the sound of someone yelling for help, and the two decide to follow the voice. As they follow it, they find an abandoned house and start searching through it, hoping Josh might be inside. <clears throat> Mike frantically runs through the house searching for Josh, and Heather, you know, with Heather trying to follow behind. Eventually, the two are separated, and Heather goes down to the basement to find Mike, Standing in the corner, staring at the wall, not responding to her. As Heather hysterically screams Mike's name to her, the camera gets knocked down and everything suddenly goes silent. The movie ends with the camera blurrily recording the wall and, of course, silence. I'm going to be entirely honest with you. When I watched this movie, again, it was in pieces because I really had a difficult time watching it. This movie really did suspense justice out of everything they've I, I i've watched a few horror movies typically i don't really watch them because it's just jump scares and shit like that this movie had no jump scares it was like kind of yeah. like a documentary that was faking itself as a horror movie so yeah, you yeah. really did get that vibe when you were watching it that this was a documentary and they did that fucking beautifully. I was tense. I was uncomfortable. I was also getting very, you know, a lot of that cringe vibes when they were arguing. But you kind of get that normally as well. So everything felt very real. 
even though it was clearly just a just a horror movie, which I've never gotten before from a horror movie. Yeah, that, that's that's like the thrill of this movie. It's like it's the suspense. You never really fully understand what's going on if there's something supernatural or if it's just kind of them getting lost and going crazy. You don't ever see anything. You just kind of follow them through the woods, and it, it looks very very realistic. Like it would be just like a, a project from three three college kids. And oh, I, yeah. I think that's that's what is so amazing about this movie is like how convincing it actually is. I did actually really like the camera shots for it. They made the actors film themselves. So it was shot really well because the director did direct them before they went through their whole hiking trip and stuff like that. But it's the actors are the ones who actually film themselves for like 90% of the movie. The actors are the ones that hiked for the most part. They really didn't interact with the crew almost at all. All to stay in the same mindset and that kind of isolated feel. And I think by them actually doing that, it made it more realistic. It made it seem like they were actually in danger. Because a lot of the reactions were probably real you know what i mean not all of them because yeah. they do have a script they do have to follow they do have lines you know some of the stuff that was in the movie was probably not scripted because they were kind of you know watching them 24 7 all the time as they were hiking and they have a basic story that they were going through but because they were actually doing the hiking because they actually did get lost three times the actors and they couldn't get a hold of the director uh or any of the crew through the walkie-talkies or anything like that when they did get lost because they were arguing all the time. It really did put more tension in the scenes when you're watching the movie, and it made it feel like this wasn't something that was being faked at all. It was actually something that was real. That's something that you actually wrote down here, Nadine. There are a few things they could have done differently to add more to, you know, a fear factor. But by keeping everything obscure and focused on the three main characters, it ended up being more believable because it was. It I, I mean, of course, you get those side characters that were probably like, oh, some you know person that's working on the crew or something. It's like, oh, do a line here, but ninety nine percent of the movie was them literally struggling, walking around through the forest, waking up, doing things, cracking jokes at each other, screaming at each other. Like it was just because of the way they filmed it and how they had gotten like 20 hours of fucking footage prior that they condensed down into like an hour and a half like they had all of this realistic conversation intention that they just casually added into the movie because it added to that realistic effect so what's more scary about this movie is not the fear thing of what's going on but how everything seems so stupidly realistic because yeah. it actually was like everything in this movie was a live shot it was a legitimate thing that was done by the actors it wasn't them just coming up with some like random storyline and blah 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 special effects to scare you you know yeah it almost like kind of pushes the ethics you're legitimately watching in some scenes someone having a legit panic attack oh yeah and like it's they, they're getting lost in the woods and i think they they have an idea of what's going on. I think did did you say some quote that like the 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 main actress said that like the first day she thought was she was like signing up for like a snuff film or something. She actually woke up to the director before she went out and yeah. the first day, and she was like, um, 
are you filming a snuff film? And he was like, no, she brought a knife with her when they went to, when they started filming because she wasn't comfortable going to men she never met before. You know, like they did the screenings beforehand, but they never really hung out. They didn't know each other. Yeah, that's something you could never get away with today is like, I I don't think. To be honest, Uh I get that. And I I totally get like what happened to the actress was just fucked. And we, we won't go into that too much. But what makes this movie is the fact that that stuff was there. Yeah. All of this background stuff, honestly, is more frightening than the movie, but it's because of the way they laid everything out that made it seem, as I said before, so realistic. Now, again, for the actress, I feel really bad for her because this movie seems like one of those movies that would jumpstart the living hell out of your career because of how popular it got. But inversely, unfortunately, she had to quit the career entirely. But it just... It really does show that this movie was so unbelievably realistic that some of the people that had watched it literally thought it was real, even though there was a nice little header at the end. It's like, hey, this isn't a real movie. This is a work of fiction, you know? Blah, yeah, blah, right. blah. But they legitimately were like, I didn't watch the credits. Let me go try and, you know, you know oh, she's alive? You must have killed the other people, you know? So I just, like, I think... This movie is like a hallmark, as you said, about things that kind of were not the best to do to the actors or whatever. But in doing so, they created a very unique movie. Oh, yeah. That nothing can really uh, recreate. Yeah. Like, and I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I, I know there, there's been like paranormal activity, like other movies have tried to do a similar concept. Nothing seems as like raw as this, just because it's so yeah. Like the the actors were legitimately terrified and yeah. uncomfortable. And the thing is, like Paranormal Activity or some other movies that are trying to pull this concept, you know, all of those actors immediately after the scene were cut, you know, they'd be like, ah, that was a good yeah. work. You know, walk literally out of the out of the quote unquote room and then go have a you know a burger or a nice little dinner. These guys were literally stuck yep. in the woods. For how long was it, Nadine? 20 hours? Eight days. It took eight days to film. So they were legitimately stuck in the woods. The budget of the film was $60,000. You know these guys weren't getting paid very well. I assume that the majority of the pay was going between the filming and stuff like that to get it quote-unquote edited. These guys probably got like a nice little five thousand dollar check to walk in the woods for eight days. I wouldn't yeah, fucking like, do that. It's it, like with two men. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. And like the little the fact that like IMDb, which was like in its infancy, like actually listed the actors as deceased, <laughs> just because like they they that information wasn't public knowledge yet. Whether they were like, yeah, they actually. They bought into yeah. the uh, yeah the marketing, marketing scheme. They did went so well movie. that other websites bought into it. That's absurd to yeah. me. But like it's again, it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, the internet was still in its infancy, so it, you know it thought everything that was online was legitimate. But and you know I'm just like to me this movie is at most that though. You can definitely tell this was a $60,000 movie. Um, there's no high-stake editing. 
There's no like unrealistic amounts of like special effects. There's literally no special effects. I mean, technically, you could say that the voodoo shit, as you were talking about, like the the crosses and stuff, were special effects. But you know, for a fact, some some dudes in like uh you know some dudes with jeans and boots walked out there and started tying stuff together to give it that yeah. effect. Do you know like, what they would did? you call that special effects? Because they what? bought they bought twine and broke sticks and then tied it together. That's what they did. That's what that's all that is. And to be honest with you, it's a good effect because those are kind of things that you would see with like witchcraft and things like that. Like not that all witches are evil or whatever, but in a lot of horror movies, they use that stuff. It's in some pagan rituals and things like that i think they might even use some of that in voodoo and so stuff that we don't understand because we don't participate in that becomes more frightening and so they use that and it was the easiest cheapest way to do it you literally just buy a ton of twine and you tie sticks together you go out you collect branches you tie them together that's all they did yeah and you know that's those are major benefits for the movie but i kind of also see them as demerits because like the budget of the movie was so low that in reality this was the only way that they could film it without paying a lot a lot more like quadruple if not quintuple the amount of money they were doing because they'd have to have the entire you know the entire set follow along with them bring the cameras along and all that stuff they'd probably have to have different style of editing and it wouldn't make that movie it would just look something really weird so it almost feels like they were forced down this very unique editing style. I, I wouldn't say it's forced, more as they, they auditioned for it, they agreed to it, they signed the waiver. Maybe it wasn't the best thing to do to the actors, but you also got to keep in mind that the director came up with this idea because he wanted something that was like a documentary or something that was like a found footage and that it was something that people got to watch. My big thing is the backlash that they got, how people ended up, you know, thinking it was real, because some parts of this was actually really campy. Like, in the beginning, when they give, like, the stories of, like, the Blair Witch and things like that, and then them kind of following the same way with the Blair Witch. Like, they had little hints here and there. They had a serial killer who killed seven kids. She found Mike in the basement facing the wall. Just like the kids were forcing to face the wall, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. When they found those piles of stones for the graveyard, there was only seven piles of stones. So it was seven for seven children. The kids were already buried in a different cemetery. So that wasn't exactly, do you know what I mean? Like, And they had the three piles marking them as the new victims kind of deal. So they did have campiness into it. They just did it well. I think the way specifically... I don't think it was necessarily forced. I think it was very genius thinking on the director's part to make it go in there seamlessly because you don't think about those things super, super hard or have it beat over your head or really like, you know, be like, oh, it's so obvious. You're really more focused on the three main actors and how terrified they are, which makes the story more believable, even though they have those campy things actually in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, there was there was one that I actually there was a movie that this reminded me of very very well, and the name of this movie was 127 Hours. I assume you guys have watched it, right? No. Yeah, I don't think I have not. So, it's a really really good movie. 
And the premise of this movie is that a hiker um, basically hikes into a, like, a cavernous, canyonous region and falls, and a boulder falls and actually smashes his hand in place, and he can't get out because he fell into one of the ravines. And for 127 hours, he's trapped there and actually physically cuts off his hand to leave and eventually manages to find people and gets uh, help. But the way that they did that type of stuff is they legitimately had the actor in a very unique situation where he couldn't do anything. He was in a very uncomfortable position. He actually had to do that. It was a really brilliant well of editing. And this actually was a true story. The actor legitimate, not the actor, but the person legitimately lost his hand from it. And he got famous for this because yeah, of the movie. I've definitely heard that story before. I've, I've never seen the movie though. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Besides, besides this little thing, I highly recommend you guys watch that movie. I watched it and I loved it, and that's that says something. But this movie actually gives very similar vibes, like the way that they did this movie to go out and force these actors into situations that mirrors what you would think would happen if someone did this. So it catches your like psychological effect but also a very realistic effect and then you get the you know the blood and the only blood in the entire entire movie that's very tiny little blit a tiny little bit that probably was just like a little bit of dye and stuff added together for that nice little special effect but just by seeing that and the guttural screams of the actor who was already probably teetering yeah. on edge at that point, and then, you know, knows that this is eventually going to happen, but still f- gets freaked out because of it. Like, there's just so much realisticness to the movie that it makes you uncomfortable more so than the movie itself, I think. But if they had edited it like a standard movie where it was catching them walk in a dramatic fashion, screaming, blah, 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 it doesn't give the same vibe as them dropping the camera while they're in the tent to wake up, and you see... You just see them panicking, getting up, and then, oh, no, I forgot the camera type of deal, and then grab the camera and rush out. Like, you just don't get that feeling. Yeah, like, the actual scary things that you see are very subtle. Like, the, the bag of, like, the teeth and the tongue. Like, it looks like a strawberry with some, like, peat rocks or something. But her but her reaction is what, what makes it. Oh, yeah. And also, like, I've noticed this because on the, the last watch through I did, I, I actually listened to headphones. And the one scene where, where they all freak out and run out of the tent, when they kind of hear some, like, rustling in voices, you actually hear, like, little kids' voices. I watch every single movie that we do on headphones at my computer, and I have to tell you outright, when I saw that, I went, boop, yeah. on the right arrow key and skipped forward five seconds, because that legitimately made yes. me uncomfortable. And I was and very, like, very weirded if, out by it. I, you I've never heard it before. I've, I've watched this movie, like, dozens of times but it's always been in like a room where like it's just coming out of a speaker like there's a lot of people so people are kind of talking and kind of like getting intense but like when i actually listen literally getting yeah, intense getting, getting, <laughs> that yeah. joke but it's so creepy when i was like actually like because I, I i watched like a, a video or something that said like oh yeah there's actually little kids voices you can hear in the background it's hard to get through that street scene with, like, headphones on by yourself in a dark room. It is. Well, naturally, me being the person that's concerned about my power bill and not trying to overdo it, I had my lights off when I watched this, and I turned them on about 20 minutes yeah. into it. 
Um, but <laughs> like Nadine, listen, I don't. Oh, do we well haven't mentioned our dog <laughs> at all. I just like time out. I legitimately that. don't do well with horror. What Nadine? So our dog couldn't take the movie. We had to we had to pause it a lot because he was crying. He kept like crying, was sad. And then I sat on the floor with him and I pet him and we talked to him and he was like talking back to us because I was like, we have to keep watching it, Bubba's. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep watching the movies for the podcast. And he was like, rub, 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 yeah, that, that's why I had to watch the last like 30 minutes separate from Nadine because the dog couldn't take the movie anymore. And I had to take the dog out for a walk to get, get him to go to sleep. Imagine it being so realistic that even your dog is like, nope, I ain't dealing with this. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because it's like people crying. screaming. It's like weird rustling. It sounds like it's like the middle of the woods. Oh yeah, like this. Not to go back to this super realistic thing again because I already we already made our point there. But this movie was weirdly uncomfortable in how realistic it was. And keep in mind, I don't deal well with standard horror movies. Satori has made me, um, you know, try and watch it or Chucky. You know, the classics that everyone knows. And I hated them both because I was uncomfortable. She tried to make me watch this one movie where they were inside of a house or whatever. And it was an older horror movie. And the house tried to eat them. You know? And I got so stupidly uncomfortable. Possibly. I'm not sure. It was like, it was an old movie though. But it was like this, this, these, uh, this, like this, this, uh, Middle class white couple move into a house and then they try and escape the house because weird things start happening and the portal opens in the house tries to suck them in or whatever. I think that's I think that's House of but, Mario. It's like the nineteen fifty three version. Well, I I'm not getting confused with another movie. I couldn't tell you because I was so uncomfortable watching these movies. It's just the way the movie is made typically that makes me uncomfortable. I don't. I don't like putting. I, I just don't like fear yeah. stuff, right? I get jump scared very easily. I'm like, I just don't like it. So, imagine someone like me, who inherently hates horror movies. Not not just because they're terrible movies, typically speaking, um, that rely on jump scares a lot. Then you find a gem like this. That I think this is when I think of horror movie proper horror movies. I think of a movie like this that makes me way more uncomfortable. Like, on a scale of, like, 1 to 10, this is the uncomfortable scale. When I watch movies that are, like, silly horror movies that are supposed to jump scare you, like, sure, it gets me every now and then. But not too much. It's like a 5. This movie, it was all the way through the fucking movie I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't even feel comfortable when I saw the opening scene. Like, why did you guys do this to me? It was a 10. I was not (laughs) happy. I had to break this movie up into pieces Go out, make some coffee, relax for 30 minutes, watch another 10 minutes, stop, <laughs> breathe, go out in a YouTube video, watch another 10 minutes, stop, go out and clean my garage. Like, I don't think you guys understand how much this movie made me uncomfortable. That's like I glossed over it a little bit, but no, it did. I hated it. This is just the beginning. Yeah. And that, that's that's kind of like the thing about the horror genre, because like there's a lot of horror movies that have jump scares, but then what you see, it's at the end of the end of the jump scare. It's this kind of ridiculous monster or like some CGI thing or someone in like a weird mask. And you laugh. And like, and you laugh and it's almost becomes comical. 
this movie, you never get a payoff like that. So you're always in this like you never get a moment of yes, relief. Yes, it's like constantly it's just it's like torture. the jack in the box is constantly like turning and you hear the music, you hear the About music, the but you spring. never get that like you never get the spring and it, all you get is just like blood curdling screams. And that's that's what's so chilling about this movie. When I put down like they could have done more things to up the fear factor. It's kind of creepy to walk so, see someone's feet pass by when a camera is falling on the ground. They didn't even do that with this movie. They kept it pretty realistic in the point where the camera was facing the wall. There was no reason for someone to walk in front of you the camera. You couldn't see anything. It literally looked yeah. like they just they legitimately dropped the camera. You know yep. they did. Yeah, and it was absolute silence. And they probably got like five minutes of recording as they ran the fuck out of the building in tears. But no, so that's the thing. You didn't hear anything. It wasn't, you didn't hear any running or any footsteps or nothing. You just heard screaming and screaming and screaming and then silence and the camera fell. And that's it. It basically implies that she's dead now and Mike is next because the kids died in the same similar fashion. The one that wasn't facing the wall died first and the one that was facing the wall died second. So but they didn't do it in a way where you heard his screaming afterwards. You just heard silence as if like he was possessed. He was, he died silently. You didn't see anyone's feet coming by. You could have had that as a fear factor. They kept it as realistic as possible where you probably wouldn't have seen because of the way the camera was facing the wall. You wouldn't have seen someone's feet walking by. You would have probably heard silence if they both had died pretty quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like, they got stabbed in the skull for some reason. That's the reason why the camera dropped. Yep, and, that, and that's the thing. It's it's all up to your imagination, and like it's just how crazy your imagination can get is how scary it can be. I will give you another movie, and this will be my last movie correlation. This one's kind of loose. Um, have you guys watched Nineteen Seventeen? I have not. Mm, I've never even heard of it. Okay, Jesus, guys. Um. Well, I know Satori. I know Satori absolutely loves that. And Nadine is huddled into a room watching folk classics. But I'm actually surprised that you haven't even watched it, Dan. I, I've heard of it. I actually do want to watch it at some point. But yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you this. When you come over to our place, I'll make you guys watch it because that is one of my top ten movies, and it will stay that way for a long, long time, if not forever, because the way this movie is filmed is that. It's only focusing on one or two people the entire time. Without putting any spoilers, it's one or two people. And you keep getting negative after negative after bad situation, after terrible encounter, after something depressing, negative, negative. There's not a single positive moment to this film. Not one. And this movie felt like that. There was no reprieve. There was no... Even when they were laughing and chatting and talking, there was still that underlying what the, what is happening, like underlying tension. And that is the same way that 1917 was filmed. And when I compared the two, a completely different movie genres, by the way, completely different, um, I could see a similarity in how it's just a followed tension where there's no let up. It keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then finally, at the last 30 minutes, it just explodes, and it gets the absolute worst it can be. And I actually love that about this movie. That's what I think that's one of the few things I do like about it. But at the same time, because it's a horror movie, 
I hate it because it's in a horror movie. Some other movie would be nice. Why does it have to be a horror movie? I don't know, but I, I legitimately struggled through this. But 1917 was good. I'm not talking about that. But that I just wanted to throw that correlation out there. In case any of our viewers have heard or watched 1917, they would definitely understand that. No, I, I'm down to, uh, to give it a watch. But, but to finalize it, when comparing this movie, um, it had a lot of fine lines with uh, the way this movie was choreographed as well. Um, Dan, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what do you think of the choreography of this movie? The choreography? Fine, the choreography. I'm sorry, okay? Dan, <laughs> just fine. go, no, man. I mean, like, I, I think it's the, the cinematography is the word. Okay, you know what, but, motherfucker? I'm no, gonna, I, I'm I mean... Google this. You're going to... No, 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 no. You stop right there. Choreography is like dancing. Yeah, Dan's right. I want to go home now. <laughs> I think I'm done with this. No, this podcast don't suit me. But no, the, the cinematography was amazing considering how this was shot by people that have no experience filming. And I know that a lot of like the backlash it got initially was because of it, it was too much shaky cam. I think just now that we're in an age where everybody's kind of filming stuff by like their cell phone camera, it's it's not as jarring. Yeah, like tiktok yeah so like facebook it, it's funny how that so like fine shit yeah. i remember seeing that in the first couple times when i saw it like back in like the early 2000s like yeah it was kind of like gave you a headache when you're just kind of watching someone running with a camera but honestly like i see so much stuff on that on youtube and whatever that that's not that's not a I, factor anymore can i can i be honest with you i didn't even notice that until yeah. you mentioned it. and that was a like, I watched this movie in its entirety, and I didn't even realize that they were shaking yeah, their camera. Like, it just didn't get no, to me the, at all. But I can see early how that on, Early on, that was a big complaint. Then. And it's, it's, it's funny how, like, it came full circle. That's actually not a... doesn't even affect it anymore. Yeah, in fact, new movies nowadays have shaky camera stuff to make it more realistic. I mean, even watching this today, though, like, this movie still captivated me every second of it. The way that the director put the... I think there was like 20 hours of footage that he condensed into the movie and kind of made it a cohesive like uh, plot, basically. And it's funny that in the interesting facts, you mentioned that Josh and what's the, the female's name? He Heather. Heather. They didn't get along. But it seems like they do set up the, them as friends in the beginning, but it does kind of turn after um, I think after like the map gets lost. That it's you almost see that like oh yeah you don't uh, to be honest dude, i didn't even feel it at all i i know that they're supposed to be friends but like after like 30 minutes like it it was just three people arguing exactly and so well i wonder if like the original plot was to have uh the other guy get lost because it seems like he they kind of play him off to be like the kind of doofy guy that's kind of the 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 dumb guy that gets gets everybody in trouble then he gets killed first or he gets lost first. But then I, I would I'm confusing names right now. Josh is not Josh is the shy guy, right? That doesn't want Yeah, Josh is also the the experienced hiker as well with, with Heather. And then who's no, the other guy's name? No, the shy guy No, Mike no. was the shy guy. That's yeah, right. Was say, Mike was the one that didn't say much and had random bursts of like breaking down and screaming randomly. Okay. Whereas Josh was the tall, really skinny dude. Gotcha. And Mike didn't really know them as much. He he kind of like was the most hesitant about it. Bro, I'll tell you this right now. 
if I was in a situation like this, at about five minutes in walking into this, knowing what's happening, I would literally have walked yeah. out. Straight out. Like, and you can see that, and I relate to Mike a lot, that poor, poor bastard who is just struggling through the entire thing. <laughs> you know, I'm almost convinced those weren't his actual lines. He was legitimately having a breakdown. He's like, I want to go home. Why am I in the woods? And they're like, ah. <laughs> I'm but towards the end movie. of the movie, you kind of see them sitting together and, like, once they realize that they were kind of accepting their faith that they, they might not get out this alive. <laughs> we're going to die anyways. Let's talk about <laughs> But, like, the, you kind of see that they kind of, like, find this, like, bond a little bit between Mike and, and Heather. They have the bond, and the next day it's torn. Yeah. <laughs> they all die. Yeah, so I, I, I wonder if that was the original plot, but I guess it's they probably just kind of played it by ear as as the, uh, the dynamics, like, unfolded with the, between the three characters. Nadine, I just have to mention, in the character list, you have Heather, you have Mike, you have Josh, and the Blair Witch, who is not shown in the movie, you know? I yeah. love that, because every movie we've watched, there's been 21, 25 characters, you know, all of these side characters that have funny lines or important quips. Nope, just three fucking people in this movie and then a fictitious one. And we're not talking about the fishermen or, you yeah. know, the, we're not talking about them. We're just specifically those three. It just, oh, it just makes me, it makes me kind of happy reading through that. It, it did make it easier for the synopsis. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew it. You probably go on IMDb like, oh, there's this character, there's this character. And so I, I still forget the names. I literally, I literally put in character list for whatever the movie is, and then I go through the character list, and then when I'm watching the movie, I can find one that was not mentioned that was also fairly important to the plot. I have to add it in. But uh, that's usually how I do it. And it takes forever sometimes. I did want to actually talk to you guys about something, though, that we I did in the um, interesting facts. And then I have it in my notes here. I kind of wanted to say, like, did you guys ever see anything? When I did the research, I didn't see anything really about Mike or Joss getting shit for this movie. Just Heather. And why is it just her that get bullshit for it. Like it's, I feel like it's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's definitely unfair. My my guess would be just like she's the most vocal. I see like, no because she's... Josh is pretty fucking vocal too, and Mike yeah. is screaming randomly through the movie. So is it because she's got a vagina, or is it because she was supposed to be the one leading them through the expedition? So she started the movie off, and she was the one who's got the most famous face. I'm gonna be outright and be hopeful here in the fact that it wasn't because she was a fucking woman, but rather because she quote unquote started the exposition or expedition. And right before everything happened, she there was a video of her literally crying and saying, I didn't do this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this. So her character was the most predominant one. And to be honest, looking back, Every scene that I remember only involves her character and not Mike and Josh. Like, there are a couple that I remember from Mike and Josh, but they were really just overlays for just her. She was much more of a main character. Yeah, than like, they if, were. if there's any person that you're seeing this movie through, it's her, it's through her eyes. But I think there is also an element of because she is 
Yeah, yeah, there is. I was trying to avoid it, Dan. Damn you. It, like, there's a reason she got the nomination for the, the worst actress, and the other two guys didn't get anything, like, anything or any shit. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Think... Like, it's all on her. And that's the problem. Like, I feel like the guys were in the movie too. This movie came out as fake. Why? And people were pissed about it because they believed it was real. Which one? How the fuck do you believe it? A found footage tape about three missing. I'm not going to go into those details, Nadine, because there's a lot of people out there that believe certain things right now in the middle of a pandemic that make me very upset. But I can totally understand now that we live in this weird time where people believe things they probably shouldn't believe in that also... No, see, I, I can see that. There's going to be those type of people. And here's the reason why I can't fucking see it. If you have fucking common sense, you will realize that the police are not going to let a movie theater and a director cut up found footage and release it to that movie theater for people all across the United States and the rest of the world to fucking watch. Yeah. Come I do fucking do if this were Tyrell, real, it would be like I get it, I get it, I get like, it, it maybe be... right. people wouldn't profit and that, off and it. And they wouldn't even show all of it. Yeah, no, it, well, Dateline would. But like, yeah, it true, wouldn't but... even be the full thing. It would be like small bits how many... and that's it. Nadine, how many people have you seen online with pure fucking facts in front of them understanding and probably should be aware that something is real when it clearly when something shouldn't be real when it clearly is there's a bunch of facts in front of you decide to do something entirely fucking different we live in a great time period for that nadine i'm saying that there's going to be those idiots everywhere and it just so happened to be one of those types of movies that makes it seem like it's a little bit too real and then people decide hmm must be real. I'm gonna go freak this person out because I'm gonna be special. I guarantee there's someone today that still believes this is real, no matter how much like. No, when I about third of the way through the movie, I thought it was real. I know there's fucking idiots out there. I'm I'm not unaware of it, and I know there's people who believe whatever. My thing is, is like, how how are you how are you that dumb? I just, I'm sorry. Like how? Maybe it's because. I'm <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going into psychology you? now. Nadine. Yeah, like, I can't. I, I can't help you prove why something's like, so stupid. I they think do legit something. film critics gave this this girl shit for her performance, which she she's not an experienced actress. She was doing something that, for the most no. part, she wasn't. I don't even think she probably understood that this was going to be like a. Do you think this movie was designed to really appeal to critics? Of course, no. critics are going to give shit to but it. No, the critics. They're going to butcher like, this movie. Yeah, I, actually, like the critics actually the gave this. Critics. Yeah. Like it's the fans, it's the regular people that yeah. like this movie. The critics like this movie, and people who have done film before that like this movie because it does pay homage to how a lot of people do do their first projects for college, kind of thing. Like that's it. Really, is kind of how their process is of how they have to go through everything and all that. I mean. Most of them probably aren't running through the woods, but I mean, if you are, there's I have a, probably go through. is a friend who's just like that, who does these type of movies and this type of style, and uh, I I can get it from that aspect. But um, I feel like it's really unfair to the to Heather, really poor, and how I I've never seen someone getting chased down and getting death threats, yeah, because of how they played in the movie. Like that actually baffles me a little bit. 
but at the same time, it doesn't actually surprise me. I mean, people went to Maryland, for God's Christ's sake. They went to Maryland to see if this was real. Yeah. How many people ignored the fucking ending thing? I, I think, like, after, like, how many people are online that you've seen that believe something, and you're like, what is wrong with this person? You know there's idiots out there. It's just unfortunate this poor girl that wanted to start her acting career eventually had to leave it because of this fucking movie. One of her, I think this was her first movie. Yeah. I don't think it was her first one, but I think it was her first like breakout role. Yeah. Uh where she was like one of the mains. So, I mean, I just I think it's really unfair. I mean, I think it's unfair to all of them cuz I don't think all, I think all of them ended up not really having much of a career after this, but I'm not sure if it's because the guys chose not to or what. But like she This got, was a director movie, not an actor movie. Yeah. yeah she got yeah. so much shit for it. She got like people wished her dead. On the streets, people she never met before. How many death threats do you think she probably got? You know what I mean? Like, if they're wishing her dead on the street, that's fucked up, dude. You know? Like, and the guys didn't get that? What What makes it so that you can walk up to her, but not up to them? What makes you think that it's okay to walk up to anyone when they're just participating in something they, they it's their career, that's their fucking job? Yeah, yeah for whatever reason, this, this movie was crazily divisive amongst like the the fan base it's it's crazy how just regular moviegoers are the ones that are, are attacking these this this woman but that's why it's it's yeah and it's usually the opposite well not like because critics usually don't be like i wish you died in the middle of the street when they meet yeah. person for the first time but usually it's the well, fans they want to keep their career who, yeah right it's usually the fans who like love the movies and the critics who hate the movies that end up being like cult classics. This happens to just be a fucking switch where it's really the critics who really love it. And like, obviously, there's fans that love it. Like, I love this movie. I think it's great. I love the way they oh, shot it. I that. hate this movie. I'm sorry, Nadine. <laughs> I can't agree with you there, but I would go out of my way to fucking haunt yeah, this and, woman. And that's you know? okay. Like, understand why this movie right. isn't for everybody, but like, the people that actually go the extra mile to like, seek out what who this person was and why they did what they did it's like you're going way too far it's like if you don't like the movie don't watch it i agree yeah so let's go over to is it or isn't it dan oh absolutely i think this is like kind of created its own genre in a way i know there's been other movies that have done similar stuff beforehand i think it kind of like launched this whole found footage horror type movie also it's just such a unique uh I guess staple in in film that it, it has to be whole cult plastic. Um, Nadine, I'm gonna say yes as well. Um, this movie, uh, just like Dan did, created a staple of a type of movie, and this movie inspired a lot of other films, but it's not known that well for being that. You know, and this movie is such a cult. This movie is absolutely a cult classic. Like, it's so unique in the things that it did that, I mean, you watch this in 100 years, you'll still get the same effect that we're feeling now 20 years later, or 22 years later. So this is definitely a cult classic, and I can see it. Um, So I'm going to lead up and say it's, yes. I mean, it's obviously a cult classic. Like, you have people who fucking hate it, you have people who fucking love it. It definitely pushes the buttons and of people. Like, they definitely don't, like, some People hate this fucking movie because they got duped, basically. But <laughs> it definitely pushes buttons. The way they shot it is very unique. It did 
like it's i don't think it technically was the first of the found footage drama but it is the one that set the standard you know and people and you'll, try to recreate this movie and they you'll notice that a lot with uh, these type of movies nadine where a lot of these cult classics inspire a genre of movies like right. in fact a good majority of the movies we've watched have inspired some type of movie afterwards as well from that specific movie so that's a staple for cult classics at least yeah, it's possible that is definitely like an element that can definitely uh a cult classic will do i don't think every cult classic has to be like a the first of its type of movie but like like weird science yeah. definitely is not yeah. that type of movie but you know that's it's a cult classic for different reasons the way I would say, it, I don't think this is technically speaking the first of the found footage genre, but I think they are the staple. They are what, you know, set the standard for, for it. And I think mostly for a lot of cult classics, not every cult classic, but for a lot of cult classics, especially some of the more popular ones, they do inspire things that come up in other movies, aspects of the movie that get done, you know, that for this one in particular, you got the Paranormal Activity movies, you know? Um, for like movies like um, let me think, Black Christmas. We're gonna watch that around Christmas. I don't really want to say too much because I'm, there's probably people who haven't watched it or probably watch. Maybe maybe they're watching with us. Maybe they're just listening to us talk about it. But it did kind of set up a standard for movies that came after it as well, like other horror movies that were like slasher films, kind of. Um, you've got oh, so you have you have Clue, which it's crazy. It had three different endings. The way that the mystery went, the the high energy you had. You have Young Frankenstein. You know you have Evil Dead. You have Army of Darkness, and they did all of those kind of like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. They all kind of influenced in some way other things that came after, or even if it's so subtle. And it's usually some of the more the bigger ones. You're not gonna have much. From Surf Nazis Must Die, you may not have. Yeah, I don't. No, that's no. But like, like, we shouldn't bring that into conversation. That that (laughs) movie doesn't even count. I don't think. But even I think even Weird Science had some aspects in it and some things that it did that maybe weren't always weren't all original, but there were some things that like maybe later on got shown up in another movie from someone who loved that movie, so it became like a reference or just a little aspect they took from that movie and put in their own kind of deal, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. I definitely agree with that. All right. Um, Dan, what would you rate this movie? I will give this movie an eight. Uh, I, this movie, like, is actually one of the few horror movies that I've, I've, uh... (laughs) Oh, oh, I feel bad. (laughs) Oh, God. I was never a big horror fan, but for some reason, this movie, I was always drawn to just because it's so, it's not really that scary or gory or, like, I was too scared to like go and watch it through. Like, I think because there's no payoff, and like once I went through it once, I knew like okay, I can get through this. So like for some reason, this was like always like my barometer movie for like watching a horror movie. It's like if I could get through this, I could get through mm-hmm. anything. Oh, this is an intro movie for the horror movies. I could, but uh, I just love this movie. Like even watching it all these years later i still watch it i still get enthralled by like the experience that these these three campers are going through i think it's also just i don't know a good interesting movie that's nothing like anything else you'll see out there okay 
Um, Nadine, you clearly are going to rate it higher than me, so I'll be last. Nadine, what do you think of this movie? What do you rate it? um, A nine or an eight. I've never done a ten. But it's definitely one of those movies that I have, I like horror movies that are a little bit more gory, I'll be honest with you, and a little bit more unrealistic. I do like that jump scare factor where it gets your heart racing, but then you laughed afterwards because it's ridiculous. This one is a little bit different. It never really gives you, like Dan said, that, you know, relief where you get the end of the jump scare. You're constantly in that constant state of, like, anxiety, pretty much. And I do appreciate that. I think that's actually beautifully and well done. Um, Horror movie-wise, it's not crazy up there, but it's seven's not a bad number at all, like, for a rating. It's just... This is my, for seven, is my middle of the row for horror movies. I like horror movies a lot more than I think both of you do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to bring it down a notch. Um, before I get my rating, because I know you guys are absolutely no, like, what, you know, what the fuck. Um, in my honest opinion, the only saving grace of this movie was how the director decided to create it. Um, this movie was, I, it was very cringy. Um, it was tense the entire time. I don't like horror movies. And on top of that, you didn't actually see anything. Like it's, it's a read between the lines type of horror movie. And considering that I legitimately don't like horror movies in the first place, then I would never rate a horror movie above a five. Um, I'm going to give it one more than Surf Nazis Must Die. And I'm going to give it a three. I will take that. Cause you, okay. So, okay. And you said something before that said, is this worse than Surf Nazis Must Die? And yeah, I, I rethought my entire life when said... I saw that. And I was like, nothing, nothing should be worse than said, Surf, said, Surf Nazis <laughs> Must Die. I, I mean, there's going to be a movie. I know there is. I, I do have one kind of question, though. Like, it, if you guys did, if there was actually like a payoff and you see kind of like a witch's face or some kind of like weird figure at the very end, do you think that would have made it a better no, movie for you guys? Okay. No, not at all. Gotcha. For me. I, 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 to be honest, dude, um, even if like at the very end you saw footsteps on the camera, like there's so much bad about this movie, uh-huh. in my opinion, that giving it a proper John. ending doesn't do anything. So not even see, like, a hand or, like, a, a foot or anything. Legitim- legitimately does not affect okay. me. It's it's one of those movies to me that I don't think I will ever watch gotcha. again. No, that, that's just something I'm curious about. It's like... So based on the way that John said it in the group chat, it wasn't me asking him, like, whatever he said earlier. It was... Oh, it was harder to watch than Surf Nazis Must Die. And I was like, watch Surf Nazis Must Die again and get back to me about that. And then he was like, oh, never mind. It was still, it was easier than Surf Nazis Must Die. But because it's only, because he had to think about it, John's opinion on horror movies at this point in time is it's so hard that he could probably watch Surf Nazis Must Die again and be okay. So that's the wrong person to ask. (laughs) Yeah, and to be honest, Nadine, I'll be entirely real real here. This was a good horror movie. I just want you to take that at face value. I think this is a good horror movie. So if you guys pick one of those shitty jump scare movies, I think I might actually have a one because of how I'm rating things right now when it comes to horror. So this was a good horror movie, but I still give it a three. All right, well, 
there's there's the there's the bar yeah uh, and for me it would have been when you heard heather screaming what the fuck was that when they were running they were supposed to have the camera pan to see a woman in white walking around that was kind of blurry the fact that they didn't do that i think ended up being better because you not ever seeing what's actually chasing them makes it more realistic because you're not seeing some special effects or something like that that dictate exactly what i don't believe in any of this oh, but yeah. you know but it oh. dictates what that being is supposed to be looking like when in reality it could look like something else it just leaves it blank so that your mind can fill it in i think I mean, it's better. so it's so well done Nadine, that a lot of people online legitimately think that Mike was the killer. Oh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Not the Blair Witch. I 100% agree because, like, totally understand too. Yeah, I mean, when he's when you bring him out, he's one of those type of people that you should keep at home at all times and just feed him video games and uh, food. Because if you bring him out in public for an extended period of time, he's probably yeah, going to kill I, someone. I, I 100% agree. I think the fact that it's so vague that, like, you, there's all these random ghost stories that they talk about in the small town. Um, they, they kind of like you don't really get much confirmation if there's actually someone there if it's just in their head or like what's what's actually going on like the fact that you right. it is so up to the interpreter to like put in their mind what's so scary about it that's what's so beautiful about this movie mm, and, and not seeing feet oh, at the end no, of I, said, I said you guys yes the, yeah, yeah, so I'm with you better. guys. That there shouldn't be a face or a hand or feet at the end. It's it should just be as it is. It's it's. I'm I'm gonna set a. I hope you guys remember this day. Um, I will set a uh, a marker here. This is the best horror movie I've ever watched. <laughs> it's a four. <laughs> All right, it's three. A three. Wait, wait, what did you? What did you rate Army of Darkness? Uh, that's not a horror movie okay. in my All eyes. Right. Uh, No, that's a comedy. It's Um, a comedic car. So comedic cars, like, I count them still in a horror genre simply because they have horror aspects in it. So they have that same Halloween vibe to me. So, like, it's totally okay to watch during October and stuff like that. But it's not the same genre as horror. And horror itself has multiple different genres within itself. It's just a comedy that has horror aspects into it. That makes it feel kind of that creepy vibe. Yeah. This is a legitimate yeah, this, horror. This it's is, more of a psychological yeah. horror. It's just than I'm saying as a legitimate horror movie. I'm not talking about the stuff where it's like, aha, that's funny. You know, it's a comedy horror. Right. A legitimate horror. This is the best one I've ever watched. And that's saying something given my rating. If horror suspense, this is this is what this nails oh, like. Alright. Well, Dan. Speaking of, would you recommend the movie? Uh yes. I I would recommend this movie. Uh I don't know. It's 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 a cool experience that I feel like you should everybody should like watch this movie through once and then decide if you like if you want to watch it again from there, but I think everybody should at least watch this movie. Should watch this movie at least once. Okay. Um I'm gonna go out right and this is very strange given my rating. Yeah, I actually do recommend this movie. Um, if you got, if I know someone who's interested in horror movies, I'm going to list this one to try and introduce myself in the conversation and pretend I know things and say, yeah, I totally recommend this movie. And they'll be like, wow, you know that movie? So yeah, I do recommend it. 
I obviously recommend this movie too for all the reasons we've listed while we did this because even though John gave it a three, he actually said a lot of great things about this movie and I think all of us did. It's one of these movies that you, it kind of just never, it lasts with you. It's not a, it's a good movie. Even if you don't like horror, you still recognize that it was done very fucking well. Um, so I would. Oh yeah, that's it. why I didn't give it a one. I gave it a three. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh John. This this is a. Uh, th- I think this is a horror a horror masterpiece, and I don't think it was intended to be when they originally did it. It just happened to be that way. And, uh, you know, if I ever, if I ever get into a conversation with someone, they ask me, hey, I'm looking for a really good horror movie. Uh, what would you choose? I would actually recommend this one first and foremost before anything else. Because I've watched a good amount of, a good amount of horror movies because I was forced to by everyone I know. Um, and this one by far takes the, takes the slice of cake that I don't want. So I forgot to say this in the beginning of the podcast because we were talking for so long about other things other than the podcast before we started recording. But when we release this, it's October 28th. So happy fucking Halloween, bitches. Favorite holiday of the goddamn year. (laughs) Well, I have to dis- I disagree. My favorite holiday of the year is, uh... I don't- my birthday. (laughs) It's not a fucking that is, most John, that is the most John answer you could have for that question. So, excuse that's the me? Most, what is that supposed that, to mean? You, you love yourself. That's, that's what it means. I do. Yeah. All right, John. I'm what's, the most perfect your... thing. I'm the most perfect human on the planet. What? If outside your birthday, what is the, what's your favorite holiday? Uh, Valentine's Day. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just some. There's just something really nice about buying a bunch of stuff for my fiance and seeing her expression when she was clearly expecting it, but didn't actually think I would. I, I guess that's that's why I've been converted to Halloween because that's the Dean's favorite holiday. So that's where I gotta get to surprise here with all kinds of kinds of creepy stuff. So your favorite holiday is now Halloween because you're dating someone that would actually kill you if it wasn't. No, it's the same reason that your favorite holiday is valentine's day because that's her favorite thing to get stuff never mind (laughs) oh it's okay satori's favorite holiday is halloween so we have three people that are halloween than me the weirdo that's my birthday and valentine's day so just as a heads up i believe my bloody valentine not the 2009 one but the 1981 one is actually a cult classic if you put a horror movie on Valentine's Day, Nadine, I'm going to be upset. I know there's a bunch of Valentine's <laughs> you Day realize ones. How many horror movies become cult classics because they are so like? Because nobody likes them, except for those few weirdos that keep going back on Netflix <laughs> to find fucking exactly. horror movies. They're divisive. They they kind of push the boundaries. They don't push the boundaries. They push people's buttons. Tomato, tomato. Actually, Why is it so bad? Classic. Why is it animated so poorly? Yeah. Why is there a ghost in a slasher movie? Like, you get my point. Okay, so, well, before I decide to pick apart horror movies, Nadine, do we have anything else to say before we uh, close it out? Uh, Halloween's the best holiday ever, and John is incorrect, and his girlfriend's got it right. <laughs> my birthday's the best holiday ever, so go ahead and close it out. <laughs> <laughs>
If you guys have any movie recommendations or want to talk about movies with us, you can go and find us on Facebook through our private Facebook group, Snazzy Podcast. Snazzy is spelled S-N-A-S-Y. Um, or you can find us on Instagram at Snazzy Podcast. Or you can just email us at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. If you guys like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us get out there. I don't want people to find us. The more you rate, the more you review, especially if it's positive for both of those things, the more people are interested in actually hearing what we have to say and will join the discussion for these movies. Uh, so just as a heads up, we will be reviewing my pick, Airheads, released in 1994 next, so make sure to tune in again. That episode will be released in November 4th. I don't know how John's going to feel about this movie, but I'm pretty sure Dan loves this movie. And if you're like me, you'll love this movie too. I'm excited for the movies after that, but I've never heard of this movie at all in my life. Oh, do you want to give me, you want me to give you a brief synopsis? It is (laughs) Brendan Fraser as a metalhead in a band who takes over a radio station hostage to get his album out. I shit you not. Based in the 80s. (laughs) That's the movie. Okay, then. All right. Well, I'll definitely tell you, I'll probably rate this slightly higher than the horror movie. Well, actually, no. Now that I'm looking at the synopsis and the ratings, I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) It's one of those movies that if you watch it, you're a music lover. You might actually get into it. Probably. If it's it's good music, I will probably love this movie. a lot of rock and metal, but... All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, John. Bye.